Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Roka Report podcast. I'm your host, Connor Bromley, and we are here today to talk a little bit further about our penalty shootout defeat against Hull City in the Carabao Cup, as well as preview our midweek game with the juvenile Aston Villa side in the Leasing.com trophy. So let me introduce you to our guest today. Firstly, we have John Stacey. How's things going for you, John? Did you enjoy the game yesterday? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Connor. Um, yeah, I actually did. That was a good run out. Definitely looked good. Definitely looked um, good going forward. So despite losing, yeah, it was it was promising for the season ahead, I think, I hope. Secondly, we have Martin Wanless, who's calling in from Australia. Good day, mate. Good day, mate. How's it going? It's Father's Day as well, you said. It is Father's Day, Australian Father's Day. Do you get anything nice? I got a Kraken hat, which my um, seven-year-old son chose off his school stall. And I got a glass that has superhero on it, so I'll, I'll take that. You can't put it in the dishwasher, though, so I'll have to hand wash it. Well, that's a shame. That means it's never getting it used, is. doesn't it? Nothing worse never than anything that can't kind of... <laughs> yeah. It'll be an ornamental glass forevermore. Fair enough. And finally, we have Niall Bromley, who, if you haven't worked out, is my brother. So how are you doing, Inferior Bromley? I'm I'm good. Inferior. I'm good, lads. How are you? She's all right. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. I like how it took you so long to work out that I was calling you inferior there. So it took you a second or two to, to work that one out. You didn't get the brains, bless I you. Know. I'll agree to that. I hold my hands up to that. Right, we'll stump straight into it because people don't want to hear how we're doing. Apart from Martin's Australian Father's Day, which I think is quite interesting, but all you's boring rest of your days. So we'll start with the whole game. Niall, we'll throw it at you straight away. What's your initial thoughts? Now we've had a few hours, well, 24 hours nearly to digest the game. I think you've just got to take the positives, haven't you? It's Let's be honest, it was a good performance. We had the ball in the back of the net twice. One of them looked dubious. The other one, I think, was probably the right decision. But, and, you know, it's just it's just taking my chances, isn't it? And that's that's what it comes down to. But at least we're creating them. Because it was a long period of last season when, when we weren't even creating chances. So, at least yesterday, we'll, you know, we're getting the ball into the final third. And, you know, what? I do think that goals will come with, with this team. Um, Obviously, we, we do need, you know, Will Grigg firing. We, we do need that, but and and yesterday he, I think he's looked sharp for the last few weeks. Yesterday, obviously, he missed a penalty, which which will do nothing for his confidence. But I, I certainly think the goals will come with him. I think it's it's got to be this season if it's going to happen for him. His times now really so. Um, yeah, it's it, it was a shame that it ended in defeat because you know we didn't deserve to lose the game, and you know I, I think. We looked so much fitter than Hull. We looked we looked much better on the ball at Hull. And, you know, to think that people are saying that they're, you know, up there with the favourites to us to go up is, you know, it's 
it, it gives me a lot of hope because I think if that's the best that we're going to get, I, I think, you know, we, we could have a very good opportunity this season to get promoted. So, yeah, it was, there's so many positives. And, and the other half positive is the fact that, we're you know, it's one less competition we have to play in. We know in this league how many games you have to play midweek, you know, Tuesday, Saturday, every week it's going to be just about um, until the end of the season with it being such a short season. So without that cup, it, I think we will benefit from that as well. So a lot of positives. Shame we didn't get the win, but it's it's not the end of the world. So, John, I'm going to throw this to you now. Niall mentioned that we played well, but to me, I saw a lot of positive play but very, very poor finishing. Is it worrying, especially since the manager wants to two, sign two strikers as well? Are, are you concerned that maybe by next weekend against Bristol Rovers, we're not going to be firing on all cylinders? Well, it was like, it was, it was sort of good timing to come to me straight after Nile because I was thinking really positively before coming on this and then Niles took all my positive comments. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna sort of stay true to, to our normal relationship and argue with him a little bit about this. But um, no, I agree, Connor. It's, it's a, it, just playing devil's advocate, there's, there's some worries there with finishing. There's some worries there with um, what, what Niles said is completely right. And I do agree with what he said, but it's worrying that... Going forward, it seemed like it was always from the wide areas. It seemed like there was only kind of one plan. So I have a bit of concerns about if teams do work us out and do work out what we what we do well, because that happened a lot last season. Um, and I think defensively, yes, we kept kept a clean sheet technically. Um, and Bailey Wright looked good. There was a bit of indecisiveness between sort of people tracking back, you know, the midfield tracking back and the wing backs coming back. There was a bit of... Uh, I guess it's kind of maybe rust of kind of who does what kind of thing, but um, but yeah, the the goal scoring thing for sure. I mean, they spoke to, they spoke about it a little bit on the reaction pod. You know, is Danny Graham the answer to the fact that we didn't score yesterday? And it was um, it sort of made me smirk because I was thinking, God, God, I hope no. Do you know what I mean? I hope it's not him kind of thing. But um, I think I. <laughs> Backtracking on what I just said, I think to be fair, Niall's right. I think Grig will get scoring. I'm I'm gonna put it out there. I'm quite positive that Grig will get scoring. It's just a case of if we can keep the people who supply him well fit and you know, we've got people on the fringes like Dan Neal who we've already seen that can feed him quite well. Um, you know, hopefully that'll that'll keep us going. Um goals win games though, don't they? So yeah, we need to score. So Martin, um, just to build kind of on what John said there, uh, Danny Graham, that, that's the debate that's going to be had by Sunderland fans. I'll throw my two cents in before I let you go with that. I think Danny Graham might be a good signing, provided that obviously with the salary cap, his wage isn't too high and he's going to be used sporadically as a impact player when we need a goal like yesterday. I mean, you're telling me yesterday, drawing nil-nil with Hull, that Danny Graham wouldn't have been a good answer for the last 15 minutes? I think Danny Graham is a better option than um, than Charlie Wyke. And I think that's the way you've got to look at it, right? Charlie Wyke will not score double figures for us this season. He's scored nine in the past two seasons, I think, for us. So you look at Danny Graham's record over the past three or four years for Blackburn. He scores, I think he scores about 30, 30% of his, his games. He's probably 1-3, 1-4 striker. Charlie Wyke's a 1-6, 1-7, 8 striker. So you look at them comparatively and you think, well... You know, regardless of anything else, regardless of his history with us, Danny Graham for this season will probably be a, a decent addition to the squad. I'm not saying he'll be a decent first-choice striker by any stretch of the imagination, but as you say, Connor, to chuck him on the last 10 minutes yesterday, I'd, I'd rather put him on than Charlie Wag for the last 10 minutes yesterday than put it that way. Interesting. I wasn't. I was surprised that somebody agreed with us on that one because normally when I've argued the Danny Graham point that he is actually going to be a, a decent impact player, most people shout us down. I think people need to remember no, as well. Oh, sorry. Go on. No, you, you know. Sorry. You know what? Like, if if he hadn't had any history with Sunderland, 
everybody would go and, you know what, he's a decent addition to the squad because he was shit for us. He was shit but, for us, yeah. But you look at, you know, Jim, Jimmy and Defoe, how old is he? Kevin Phillips, yeah. how old did he play for, eh? He, yeah, he, but I just a, think that it's a different level, isn't it? He's 35 and he's not looked good the last season. And it's like, he... Would will he be coming here as an impact player? Would he want to come here as an impact player? Would that would that would that be something he wants in this stage? Because by all accounts, it sounds like he wants to come here as, as top dog, and he might be asking for a lot of money. And you know, I'm just not sure about him coming as a super sub. I agree what you're saying. He's ten times better than Charlie White, but but what what was interesting yesterday, I thought, was um, and what gives us a bit of encouragement for the season ahead with with Parkinson is the formation that we played where O'Brien was pretty much up top with um, with Greg. And you've got two players who aren't, you know, you're not going to hammer it up to their head. Like, O'Brien looked good to me. Like, he looked nice touch, playing, you know, linking that play up well. And if, if, he's, if he's kind of thinking about that formation with O'Brien up front with another striker as an alternative having a target man, then we're not going to be relying on, on Charlie White or Danny Graham playing that central strike with two behind. We're going to have one behind and two up front. And that gives us a bit of confidence in, in the season overall, that was a really promising thing from, from yesterday. So I think, you know, the, the signs are that he's not necessarily going to go with that really rigid formation. Famous last words, of course, we'll, we'll do it on Saturday and that'll be it for the next 27 games. But, you know, I think having that variation is important and, you know, having somebody with experience who's, you know, got the know-how of playing in League One, which we've, we've lacked that now, you know, that League One streetwise now, we've lacked that for the last two seasons and he's, he's had it. So mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, as long as we can afford his wages. Niall looks like he wants to jump in there. He's looking like he's chopping no. at the bit to get involved in this one. So, Niall, what are you going to say about the Danny no, Graham no. debate? No, I was just going to say, with you know, obviously, with we don't know how true it is, but um, there's a lot of work going around that we're doing that data analysis kind of thing, aren't we, to, to bring players in. And and one of the things, if you look at Danny Graham's stats, is the fact that he do, he wins a lot of second balls um, and stuff like that. So I think that might be what they're looking at with him. And, you know, people, people think that the data analysis, the money ball kind of theory is all down to you know getting the youth players and and getting them up and, and that's how it works it, it's not like that I mean we, we said this in the group chat like the the years signed David Justice who was 39 years old you know and he went on and was a pivotal part of getting them to where they got to so I don't think age is at all a factor in signing Danny Graham because I, I, I think what they want him for is like I say win second balls they want him for that in you know we, we don't know for a fact that the data analysis thing is what they're doing but that's what we're thinking that's what we're assume they're doing so if that's the case then I'm I'm happy to have him in um, and like you said like Martin touched on before he is better than Charlie Wake and if I did have the choice yesterday I would have brought on Danny Graham over Charlie Wake and you never know he might have nicked a goal and, and goals is for him I think Parkinson will look at that as a bonus if he scores goals that's a bonus because I don't actually think even though he's a striker like I say I don't think that's necessarily why he's going to bring him in but um, I'm, I'm looking I'm looking forward to hopefully signing him and I hope we do sign him and I, and I do think it's a good signing and I don't get as wrong I do understand you know he scored one goal off his arse against Everton I understand why people are <laughs> there uh, where it was I understand why people you know are against it but people just you know it's one of them things we, we are in League One and for a Sunderland League One team a 35 year old Danny Graham is a good sign yeah just to clarify my point quickly as well that I wasn't necessarily saying oh he's the he's he's a crock and we're it's a terrible signing because I kind of agree with everything both of you just said I think what it is that I don't want people to think is that he's the answer you know he's the number nine he's the goal scorer because like you said Niall I don't think he'll be brought in for that reason I think he'll be brought in as a number 10 or even like a an impact player like you say so I do agree with what you're saying and, and in that respect he would be a good signing the encouraging thing yesterday was the amount of chances we created and the amount of shots yeah. we had 
And like that was two or three times more than on average that we did last season. So, you know, that was with O'Brien and Greg up front. So I think that, that's really positive for, for the season ahead. And I think as 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 you say, as an option, you know, it's good. But we, we need somebody to be putting those chances away, whether it's Greg, hopefully it is, or somebody else, but somebody needs to be putting those chances away. Well, the thing is though, Martin, you've got to remember that Chris Maguire missed that chance yesterday that, you know, nine times out of ten you would have put your house on him scoring that. Like oh, he scores them goals. It was just unlucky. It was it was as simple as that. It was just he snatched at it, it was unlucky. But normally that's in the back of the net and went one nil up. Hundred percent. And 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 Greg technically got two, didn't he? Or one that was yeah. definitely dubious and, and, and he'll take some confidence from that. Yeah, he missed the penalty, but the first one the first one for sure was was a dubious one and then the second one was onside. So It was wrong, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was an onside yeah. goal. So I don't. I, I. I hope. I hope he takes a bit of confidence from that, and I hope the fans do a little bit because we've all. We've all been guilty of getting on his back, but he's come back stream streamlined. He's he's up for it. He seemed well up for it yesterday, and that was a massive sign for me. Never seen him work so hard in red and white. So um, yeah, very promising. So just just to surmise there, I'll get some final points. Certainly, Will Grigg looked much stronger yesterday. Uh, I thought looking at me, his physique looked far bigger than what it was last season. But we'll, we'll move on there. I think there's been a good debate there on, on strikers. And I want to talk now about which player you're most excited about heading into what is really the start of the season next week against Bristol Rovers. So, Martin, who, who are you most excited about heading into the new campaign? After watching yesterday's game, O'Brien, to me, really surprised me just with his, his touch. And, he, he, you know, he didn't give the ball away and he linked up play really well. And I think that could be a, a bit of a missing a missing link that, that needed filled. Um, so I, I'm excited about watching him and how he develops in the system. But Bailey Wright, if he's fit, absolute colossus. Like he he will marshal that defence really, really well. You know, if you if you look at last season we played with Oz Turk in that position, and you know, you're looking for, you know, significant improvement. That's a major improvement. Major improvement. So you look at either end of the pitch there. That gives me a lot of confidence for the for the new season. So yeah, looking forward to seeing how them them two develop, and hopefully, you know, bit the question mark over Bailey Wright's fitness, isn't it, rather than ability? So fingers crossed he stays fit. John, would you agree? Absolutely, yeah. I was probably sort of tip of my tongue would say Aidan O'Brien or um, Bailey Wright after yesterday. The preseason friendlies, O'Brien didn't really show much, but um, he definitely showed it yesterday. Maybe he's a bit more of a competitive game player, and Bailey Wright for sure. You know. We've been crying out for that. We've been crying out for that sure head that is experienced and decent at this level. Now we've moved Jordan Willis to the right and he's definitely thriving in that position. Um, so I guess adding to that, I think Arby, I'll say Arby because I'm not going to try and pronounce his name, the the new signing at the left centre-back. Flanagan was was all right yesterday, but he's just got a million mistakes in him and he's he's not... I don't think personally he's he's cut out to play that role and play for promotion chase inside in that role. So uh, yeah, the promising signs we saw against Gate said hopefully he can show some consistency and get used to this level quickly and be really good on that left side of the back three. And then also like just hearing the re- reaction pod and listening to the guys' opinions on Max Power and Dobbo uh, in the centre mid. You know, I was really impressed with Scowan in the in the preseason friendlies, Josh Scowan, and I actually think that between them three. And then you've got kind of like potentially, you know, others that can play in that sort of deeper role potentially as well. Like Dan Neal, you could drop a bit deeper maybe, I don't know. But those three, I think, that Power and Dobson yesterday were, were quite good and, and definitely sort of played their roles really well. So I, I kind of hope that, that they can get some consistency because right through the middle of the part, you know, you need that strength. And if Bailey Wright's playing amazing, Aidan Bryan's playing amazing, but the middle of the f- midfield's sort of struggling, you know, we ain't gonna we ain't going to pull up trees. So, yeah, I think for me... RB in the midfield I'll sort of add to the the excitement of that Niall do you want to complete the starting 11 there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah no 
Um, it's, it's quite difficult. <laughs> it's quite difficult this morning because normally I like to disagree with John and Martin. These, these are the two <laughs> ones I argue with the most, but I'm finding it hard this morning. Um, it's uh, I do I totally agree with what they're saying. Um, you know, Bailey Wright and, and O'Brien. Yeah, uh, I'm also looking forward to seeing Dan Neal. I'm really hoping that Elliot Embleton can step up this year. Hopefully, he can get fit. You know, we know the talent he's got, and we heard, we heard Max Power talking about him the other day and saying how good he looks and how talented he is. And I would love for him to come through as well as Dan Neal. I think as well. I know Lyndon Gooch is getting a lot of stick at the minute, but Lyndon Gooch is a good player, and he can, you know, he can do things to win games, just like he did against MK Dons last season, things like that. So you know, I think we've got enough. It looks like we've got enough depth. You know, it, it things do look promising. At the back, like the lads touched on, Bailey Wright, I just love the fact that we have him. And, and alongside Willis, two very competent uh, centre-halves. I, I like Tom Flanagan. I've always liked Tom, Tom Flanagan. Um, and then, obviously, we've got, is it Jemadjali? Is that how we say his name? Hey. I don't know. No, is that, is that how we say it? Just That's pretty, well. good. It's pretty good attempt, I think, man. Albeit Jemadjali. Um, nah, you've who, ruined it now, mate. Is that not it? <laughs> right, anyway... We haven't seen enough of them, but, you know, I think David Jones was very, very keen in getting them signed. And, and I think, you know, the club really wanted them signed on. So hopefully that can be an improvement on the cover that we had last season. The likes of Ozturk and the likes of Lynch and players like that. Hopefully he's better than them. So, yeah, I, I mean, the whole thing's like, like exciting, is in a sense. Let's just hope we can build on a good performance yesterday and, and start off against Bristol Rovers you know, flying in. And we need an early goal because that's what we didn't get yesterday. And I think, and everyone knows, if we'd get that early goal yesterday, we would have won that game 3 or 4-0. You know, we should have been 3 or 4-0 up in the first half. So, yeah, um, that's that's my take on it anyway. The, I actually think the result yesterday was was the perfect outcome for us. You know, good good performance. Looked really solid at the back. Get knocked out so we don't have any more games midweek and clog everything up. The The... Biggest criticism I would have, though, is the, the lack of um, subs and the lack of change. You know, that game was crying out for Dan Neal to come on. Half an hour left, 25 minutes left. And that's the, the, the big frustration and the big um, question mark I have going into the season. You know, we saw last season where you know Parkinson had to start in 11 and very rarely kind of veered away from that, that lineup, and he's you know he's done that all throughout his, his managerial career. You know, he's, he's had a, a, his favourite 11, so that's the, that's the, the question mark I'm... I'm I've got. I'm really keen to see how um, how that kind of evolves over the season because he he needs to rotate that squad. And he needs to to change things up sooner. See, I think just playing devil's advocate again. <laughs> what you said, I agree with in a general sense of if it was a league game for sure. You know, I'd be screaming at the TV. Seventy fifth minute. Why are you making subs now? You should have made them earlier. But when everybody was kicking off about that. Maybe <laughs> this is going to sound a bit at left field, but maybe Parky was thinking to himself, "We don't really need to sort of push to win this. We don't need to throw in the young guys. We actually need to carry on as we are, get the sort of ninety minutes in some of the players' legs, and we might still nick a goal. We might sort of, if we play light for light by throwing on some subs late on, we'll just stay as we are, kind of thing." I I don't think he was playing to lose. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he was just sort of eking it out. I do think there's a there's a method to a bit of madness there where you you know you, you throw in Neil on. I agree with you. You know you, you, that that should have been the spark and and could have been the spark to sort of really win the game and 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 maybe even a couple of other subs that he didn't make earlier on. But there's a when I was listening to everybody kicking off, I was kind of thinking, hold on a minute. I think that's not too bad of an idea. Just kind of seeing how it goes because in a league game, if you did that. 
brilliant. But what you said at the start of your bit there, Martin, was exactly right. It's a perfect outcome. We're not in the cup anymore, and we've got some minutes in the legs, and we played really well. So, so well, are you saying, John? Are you saying it was a glorified pre-season friendly? Is that is that what you're saying? Well, hang on. I agree with that. You've literally taken that off my plan for this. There, that was, that was literally <laughs> I brought in here was the whole game and the uh, Villa game. Are, are they glorified pre-season friendly? So you've totally stolen that off my plan. There, I'm not happy. Well, with no. That. Well, just to sort of. I make... haven't actually. I, I do apologise. That's just great minds. I haven't. I didn't even read your plan. If I'm of course, you didn't read your plan, Connor. Apart from the fact <laughs> you pointed out an error in the plan, so you obviously did read the plan. I flicked through it. I flicked through it. I like errors. Just to answer your question though Niall I don't think I don't think that's what I meant by it because I think if it was a pre-season game I think he probably would have changed it even earlier I think he probably would have changed it you know he was making changes in the 50th minute like 5 or 10 minutes after half time in the pre-season games and I think that's probably what he would have done I think it it, it would have been uh, putting my football manager head on now you don't play 9 of your 11 for 90 minutes in a pre-season game so no I don't think that's the way he was thinking I think if anything it was more thinking longer term, thinking about priorities a bit and, and you don't play to lose, don't get me wrong and I don't think he was but I think it's uh, meant a lot more than people were thinking in that it wasn't, I don't think it was a stupid decision or a lack of a decision earlier. I think it was, a, if it, well I hope if it was a league game he would have made that decision earlier, he would have brought Neil on earlier for a bit of guile etc etc and you know maybe I'm completely wrong and naive to say it but I think that's what Martin was getting at and I think that Parky would have done it if it was a league game. Okay, I, th- I think we've we've pretty much covered off the whole city game there. So I want to move on to a potentially another glorified friendly nail. <laughs> is the Aston Villa? Is it a nothing game? Is this a competition where we want to get knocked out? Which is pretty much what we did last season. We 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 threw the towel in on this competition very early on after reaching the final the year before. So uh, Niall, I will throw this to you since you're the one who stole the 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 glorified friendly <laughs> line. Uh, is this? I'm a never going to hear the game? end of this. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get an awful Christmas present now. I think after that, like no, uh, yeah, I think so, and I hope so. I want to be a, I want nothing to do with that competition. I really don't. We've had we had my Wembley trip. That's fine. I don't want anything. I know people say it's good to give other people a chance, whatever, but I don't want to risk playing Newcastle under 21s in a competitive game again. That's the lowest point of my son's support in life. I don't want that again. I don't want anything to do with that cup and I really hope that Parkinson sees it the same. We don't need the fixture congestion like Martin touched on before. We've got so many games. I no, you know, we're, let's just let's just get happily knocked out of that, you know. Let's let's play Jordan Willis up front see if he's good in the air. Let's do stuff <laughs> like that. Let's let's, let's not let's not take this seriously because I mean I'm not saying lose the on purpose because you don't want to do that but you know rotate the team you know let the younger players in do whatever but yeah I, I really hope they don't take that competition seriously because I, I really don't care about it if I'm being honest uh, so Martin I'll throw this to you in a second but I want to throw you a little question first to throw in your answer so do you think Niall's kind of touching it there, but do you think this is a chance for us to see Dan Neal, you know, Charlie White, Brandon Taylor, a few of the players who haven't maybe got the minutes that they're looking for, or do you stick with maybe a Will Grigg in the hopes that he scores and that ignites him just to throw another fire pun in there? <laughs> well, I, uh, I I completely agree with Niall's take on the competition as a whole and where it sits with our priorities. The sooner we're knocked out of the, that competition, the better for this, this season. Saying that, given that we've been knocked out of the League Cup and we don't have that fixture congestion in September... I would be treating the Tuesday game as the last proper warm-up game for the new season. So it would be a relatively... I would rotate the squad. I would have Scowan in. I would have Dan Neal in. I would have people like that. But it would be, a, it would be from that first-choice 
pool, that first 18 pool, rather than having a load of kids playing. Um, I think you know, getting a win, getting some goals at home, is a, you know, a great outcome on Tuesday night. We're not going to go out the competition on Tuesday, I don't think. I think it's a group group stage to, to start with. And from for the sponsorless cup this season, that's how bad the competition is. can't get a sponsor for it. No, oh, they're not so going to sponsor um, now. No. Oh, well, at least in .com, no. start getting the sponsor plug off us. <laughs> no, I'm not that now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a football league trophy, isn't it, this season? So, look, I, I would treat that as, as a one-off game, warm-up for the new season, get a win under our belts, but overall... Let's go that bloody competition as soon as we can. So, John, before I let you retort to that one, I've got another question to throw at you. Last year, we got beat off Leicester in this competition at home, and that sparked a lot of fury from Sunderland fans. People said it was a joke, the most embarrassing defeat in history. Does Phil Parkinson in his head go, hmm, lost the first game against Hull, fans already not a big fan of me, I cannot afford to lose against another 23 side in a competitive fixture? I think if he does that, I think he's showing a lot sort of less balls than we want to see from a manager I think echoing what the other lad said I think if I was parking I think if I was in charge of the, the, the squad that he's got now you'd want to use it as a as a bit of minutes for the fringe players and you'd want to play them in the positions that you want to see them playing in as potential backups for his first 11 if he's looking at first 11 so I don't think he's going to play the first 11 to try and absolutely demolish them and hope for the best because if we get beat, he'll have everyone on his back. If he's got a mindset like that, I think it's quite a weak mindset. You know, I don't think Parky's like that, though. I don't think Parky listens to the reams of, choosing words carefully, people who are quite negative um, towards... I, I, can, uh, I can confirm that Phil Parkinson does not read social media or any exactly. of that stuff. Completely ignores <laughs> it. So, so in that respect, and I, and I don't think it'll come from above, I don't think anyone else will chat to him and say, oh, there's thousands of people saying that we got beat last year off Leicester, you've got to go for it this year. I don't think, even if they did say it, I think he'd just laugh at them. I, I hope he's like that anyway. I don't know him that well, and, and, and I just think that surely not you know surely not you're going to listen to people from last year going we've got to beat Villa under 21s do you know what I mean it's like we've got priorities if you've got half a brain it's not that trophy so I want to now talk a little bit about the competition as a whole and uh, we've, we've touched on a little bit there but could it be seen that these games are momentum builders do you think Parkinson might say well a win's a win and if it does get a player like Will Griggs scoring a goal and Aidan O'Brien his first, his first competitive goal is it worth maybe playing a stronger lineup than what you might think and I thought nah. whoever wants to take that you take that <laughs> well no. <laughs> what I will say on that is that last season we played Grimsby and we're beaten 3-2 and Will Griggs scored the following Saturday we went and got beat 3-0 away to Peterborough so no, I don't think momentum. <laughs> I don't think at all. Um, it's just like I say, I can't be more vocal about this competition. Uh, it's an absolute waste of time. Um, surely, winning games is winning games. Like, so if you listen to, I'll plug one of my old podcasts with Gus Poyer, but Gus Poyer said that he used the League Cup as a platform to win games and build momentum. Winning games makes footballers feel good, right? That is a fact. So why would you go into these games with the mindset of going mm, don't really care if we win or lose? Come I think person I think personally like you're right in what you're saying if that's the way that you lead your team. So Boyet's come in and he said that and that's fine and and if he felt that that's what they needed at that time, you know, the confidence he said himself the confidence of the squad at that time was so low they needed that kind of that that boost and I think if if you've got a decent control of your squad and you're sort of in with your squad, you know them well and you know how they tick and you, you know their mentality, you can have those kind of meetings and sit downs with them and be like, look, we don't value this. We want to see people getting a run out. 
if you win, you win. If you don't, you don't. Let's put it behind us. Let's move on to the league and let's just force ourselves a, a bit of form there. If we've got fickle enough players where losing to Aston Villa under-21s midweek is going to make them play shit against Bristol Rovers on Saturday, I'm sorry, but like going back to what Niall said, oh God, I hate agreeing with him, but going back to what Niall said, <laughs> where we can beat Grimsby one minute and then get spanked off Peterborough the next, I'm sorry, but that's the problem we had last season with the fickle mentality of the players. And I think hopefully with a couple of the new signings, the people we've brought in the mentality of the players is changing and I think hopefully they've got a bit more strength behind them etc etc maybe just maybe we won't have that kind of issue where we need form to build the players up if you know what I mean Martin there's there's two things I would just chip in with there one in terms of going through the competition getting some wins building momentum I, I absolutely agree with that principle what we've seen with Parkinson with his lack of squad rotation and this relatively small squad that we've got if we do go through into that competition, we will pay the price in February because the players will be knackered. Second yeah. point, your, your example of Poye, um, Connor, I think it's fair to say that it was only in, it was only the semi-final where he actually played his first choice 11. He Correct. rotated the squad. So I think if you use it like that, you know, give people like Scowen game time to, to impress, give people like Charlie White game time to impress, that's fine. You keep you're getting the minutes into their legs. But I, I wouldn't be... You know, after Tuesday, where I think that is a bounce game into the first league game, I wouldn't be really risking anybody who at the current time is a first choice, is an important first choice player. Okay, I want to jump now from football into some logistics. So the match day stream, it's a £10, a price that is set by the Football League. So Sunderland don't set the price on that one. But it's fair to say it's not very good. Uh, we do have commentary now, which is a positive, but... There's only one camera angle, which I don't think is very good. In terms of replays, it's just the shot that you've seen seconds ago. It's not particularly insightful when you see the miss from the same angle. Do you think that the club, as fans, do you think the club should value the streaming system because that's the only way we can watch games and they should put a little bit more money into it? Or are you thinking it makes more sense for a club that has made redundancies, a la me, hello? Do you think they <laughs> should be looking at sort of it, keeping that money to invest in the squad and invest in other areas of the club. I mean, what's your view on that? Is the stream important enough to you where you would want them to invest in some camera angles? I'm going to throw it to John because I think John will have strong opinions on this. Yeah, I do, but I'm not sure I really want to say them and go off on a rant about it. Um, I think, in short, yeah, I think they do need to spend some more money on it. It needs to be better quality. It needs to be... So I think, I think you know, basically speaking, if you get people enjoying the stream and happy with the stream, you're going to get more people because people are going to talk about it. I work in marketing as a day job. You know, those kinds of things... Currently, what we see and what we hear is a lot of negativity about the streams. We don't really ever see anyone saying, I really like the commentary, I really like the, the, the camera angles, I really like the quality of the, the stream coming through. It never goes down. It never goes down. It's really sort of safe. You know, we don't hear any of it. And frankly, you know, it's it, it's cyclical. You know, you get really good um, experience as a streamer. You're going to get more people buying the stream. It's as simple as that. People are going to spread the word. So it's sort of free marketing for them. On top of that, you know, we've got a lot of exiles like ourselves who can't get to the games. We definitely can't get to the games now anyway. So shouldn't they really at least temporarily put a bit more effort into it because no one can get to the ground. So they need to bring in money somehow. Are they just expecting everybody who can't go to the ground to just have to get the stream because it's the only option? Because as we know, there are other options to get the streams where they don't put money into the club. So yeah, I think this is the sort of combat that they've got. They've got the fact that people are parasiting with the uh, inverted commas and getting it from elsewhere, you know, to the point where 
you're probably not getting as much revenue as you could as a club. So put a bit more effort into it. Tell people about it. So, you know, we're, we're investing lots of money to make this experience great for you. We appreciate it's a tenor. We appreciate that you can't get to the ground. We want to make this amazing for you. Some clubs have done that. I've seen some great marketing out there for lower league clubs as well, where we're saying, look, we're bringing in people to do this really fantastic media thing for you guys. And it's probably boosting their revenues. Just think of our fan base. You know, that would be four or five times the size of some of the lower league clubs that are doing a really great thing for their fans. I think that if they just got the message out there and said, we're doing this great thing to really improve your experience, go out and buy it. You'll support the club in doing so. I think you'll probably get a lot less people parasiting it and and finding sort of other ways to do it because you'll think that they will think to themselves, it's a better experience. So I'm going to, you know, value that more and put it back into the club. And that's without me getting too political about it. That's just the basics of how I feel about it. But yeah, I think they should invest in it, frankly. So the argument I would hear from when I was there about the streaming, which irritated me at the time, was Sunderland fans will buy the stream irrespective of whether there's one camera or ten cameras. It makes no difference. Do you think that's a, a, a almost a silly, blase point? Or do you think that that well, it, is true? It's, a, it's out of date. It's out of date. It's an out of date response. In the, in the world we live in now... In the world we live in now, as 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 everyone on this call and everyone that we talk to knows, you can get it without having to pay the tenor. So yeah, it's completely wrong. You know, the person who said that who shall not be named, you know, they're wrong. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't listen to the fans, otherwise they would know what they're talking about. If they listened to the fans and heard that that they're not buying it for whatever reason, then they wouldn't rely on the tw- ten twenty thousand people who maybe do buy it. Let's just let's just put figures into it, right? If ten thousand people buy it and they're laughing because they got that tenor off every ten thousand people, if they improved the experience and made it a lot better and could boost those numbers to twenty thousand rather than the ten twenty thousand people who are parasiting it, that's better for the club. You know, long term, it doesn't cost hundred thousand pounds to improve the media. Uh, you know, to improve the sort of experience of the of the match day. You know, they can do it day by day, week by week until everybody's back in the ground. They don't have to. I employ media teams. I know that this is like not that expensive to do. All right, I don't employ them for football matches, but it's the kind of thing that it's not sort of like six figure sums to sort this out. Whereas they'd get six figure sums if they improved it and put a bit of marketing behind it to say, please buy the stream. It's going to be a lot better to do so. I just, I think it's just really, really naive, really, really sort of childish behavior an easy decision to make to go we haven't got the money so we're just going to rely on people to buy the stream i am um, i think you're you're right in a lot of what you're saying there john i think um going back to connor's point though people will people will watch whatever's available you know i i had a season out here you know i'm, I'm in australia obviously when we got relegated from the premier league we had the season in the championship where Sunderland, for whatever reason in the infinite wisdom decided not to stream any games so for me to have a single camera stream to get up at two o'clock in the morning to watch the following season, I was happy with because it was significantly better than what was there before. I, I think your point about people getting the stream from other sources, that would happen regardless of whether it's one camera or 10 cameras. People will, will choose to buy it direct or they can, they'll go through other methods to get it cheaper. But I think, I think it's a, it's a, it is a lazy attitude in terms of, you know, we are doing the minimal viable product that we can charge people for. Um, you know, for me, I think the the, the year streaming passes 140 quid. So I think 10 quid a match is absolutely ridiculous for a single stream. It's it's nuts. Like, and I know that price was set by the AFL, and we can all have our opinions on how competent they are, which I, I don't think any of us would hold very high oh, opinions. In that very regard. well run the AFL. I don't, I don't think <laughs> I can't think of any of their member clubs that have went out of business or been close to going out of no, business no, recently. No, so no. I, I think the AFL, you, you can't put any blame on them at the minute for anything. To be honest, <laughs> I think they're probably the most stand-up organisation in football. 
<laughs> maybe. Maybe the Premier League's ahead of them. Right, Niall, but, but finish with the streaming now because I think some people will be interested in that and some people won't be. But I want to talk a little bit. I know you're a big, big fan of Argentinian football. I know you're like scouting about there. I know particularly the, the second divisions are one that you're an expert in. <laughs> um, prior to coming out of the podcast, you were telling us that you know a lot about that league. So I thought this this question, and then suddenly something were linked with an Argentinian. I was like, well, that, that's perfect. Honestly, that, that's brilliant. So can you tell me as much as you can, as somebody who doesn't know much about Argentinian football, about, and correct me if I say his name wrong, Mateo Bejamic. So what, what do you think about him? Uh, well, I mean, he's a natural finisher. He scored 75 goals in 20 games. Um, so, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a no-brainer for me. Um, on a serious note, I did actually look. His goal score record isn't that good. It's like nine and something, I don't know. But uh, yeah, um, so yeah, next. <laughs> okay, is so anyone no, else? On, any, oh no, Neil, you want to continue on that one there? No, no, I was just saying, like, I think it goes it goes back to, and I'm hoping it goes back to the data analysis thing, doesn't it? And, you know, sometimes you do have to think outside the box. I mean, that excites me, an Argentinian second division player. I love out like that because that's going to, you know, that that's the type of thing that turns into, we're well, signing from an Argentinian second division team. Now he's the, you know, he's, he's, Playing up front for Barcelona, like you know that—that's the to- sort of story that I love. So you never know. That's it's the sort of story that you sense. love. Have you ever heard that story before? Have you ever known an Argentinian <laughs> second division player rise up the ranks, stopping off at a League One team to then arrive at Barcelona? Has that happened before? No, no. Right, but it could happen. Are you been oh, watching goal, such a good man? story. Right. You've been watching exactly. goal. Santiago Nunez. Have you been watching goal? <laughs> no, I, I don't watch that. That's, that's about Newcastle. We don't watch that, John. Go. Yeah, he, he went to Real. He went to Real. God, yeah. God, John's a mag. He is from All's End. I'll just put it out there. He is from All's End. <laughs> so I suppose that the last thing to cover off on this, if I'm being serious, because Niall's analysis there wasn't that great. Um, is it strange <laughs> that Sunderland are plucking an Argentinian second division player to be a potential striker option? Is that Does that to you not really scream out weird? Because that's how I looked at it. Like, this is a team where the scouting network, it's fair to say, last season was not the best. It largely focused around British players. Suddenly we're signing a second division player in Argentina. Why are our scouts in Argentina scouting second division players is probably a question that's worth asking. But also, how does this arrive? I mean, what what, what did you make of that story? That was our plan, I think. Um, I think yeah, they said, didn't they say that they were going to, they had people over in South America? I'm sure they did. Um, I'm sure, was it not something to do with Juan Sartori was starting stuff in South America? I don't know, but I've, I've, I've definitely heard it before. Um, so I think Martin probably knows a little bit more on that by the look of his face. Well, well, uh, well there was some, some <laughs> rumour about Sartori starting a, a Uruguayan flood of, of youth players coming through, which has never materialised, has it? But I think um, it's it's a really, it is, it is a weird, because we have relied on absolute straightforward... <laughs> recruitment for however however long haven't we it's always been the most obvious British player generally over the past few seasons and I've been hoping that we would sort of take a, a little bit of a different route in, in terms of recruitment and, and like David Jones at, at Oxford I know he's been on the podcast um, maybe with you Connor before and talking Correct. about recruitment at, at Oxford it was. it was a great he, episode he, the host did a very good job that day <laughs> sublime Faultless, but no, I think he 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 on that. If I remember correctly, spoke about you know his input at Oxford on the recruitment side and trying to modernise that and and look overseas at players and stuff like that. So you know, hopefully with um, this this link to this Argentinian striker, the um, the signing of of Arby, 
Um, hopefully that does point to being a little bit more inventive with with the recruitment. I think this young lad as well is twenty is twenty or twenty one, so he wouldn't yeah. count for the salary yeah. cap, which is obviously another issue that the AFL have um, enforced upon us. So look, I, I'm encouraged by. It. I'd much rather sign him than sign a, a Danny Crane to go back to the. Um, uh, but if we can have them both, then that would be be nice. Yeah, I'm not actually really... I wasn't being serious in my knocking of the recruitment. I think if they are actually scouting in South America, then that is quite good. But we'll move on, unless I don't think John's got anything to add to that. So we'll, we'll, we'll jump jump ahead here. Final thing really to cross off today is the takeover update that uh, Nick Barnes gave us yesterday on BBC Newcastle. But essentially, he said that the takeover is progressing but has been delayed by COVID-19. Uh, is COVID-19 a convenient excuse? Is... Nick Barnes being fed a load of bollocks, or do you think the owners are potentially selling by the end of the month? Uh, John, we'll throw it to you. Uh, I've got no idea. Very good, um, right, Martin? You got anything right there? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Barnes has got an idea, and I like Nick Barnes, but I think everybody's crying out for just an answer or something happening. And I think that I know that you can't be fully transparent in these kind of things where you can say, "Oh, yeah, we're just going through this part of paperwork or whatever," um, but. I think with all the rumours that are flying around, with all the charlatans flying around on Twitter saying they're buying the club, we know what we're talking about there. I think it just needs some sort of clarity. And I don't know whether Nick was told to say that to give it some sort of clarity, but it didn't work. And um, as far as my own opinion goes, I would love to have a clue, but I don't have a clue. So what you're suggesting there, I presume you were linking that one to William's story. So you're suggesting that he isn't a legitimate buyer there, John. That's quite a bold claim. I'd, I'd rather not. I'd rather not comment on it due to legal uh, restrictions. With the uh, fact that I'm taking him to court again for him his defamation of my character recently. Fair enough, John. Fair enough, John. So. <laughs> Anyone else got anything to add on, on Nick Barnes's his takeover update or takeover? Well, I suppose it is an update, even if he is saying it's just delayed a month. But we did hear that the club was going to be sold. I think it was initially by the end of May, then it was July. Now it's the end of September. Um, so, Martin, I can see you've got your hand up. So, shoot, go for it. Yeah, look, I, I think in, in all fairness to everybody concerned, this is probably one of the worst or probably the worst time in history to be selling a football club. There's absolutely no guarantee in terms of income from fans. There's no guarantee when people will be letting the ground. There's no, as we've seen, there's no guarantee that the other teams in the league will want to continue playing football. So it's a terrible time to be selling a football club. So that I, I completely accept the, the possibility that that has delayed things until things start looking a little bit more clear with the impact COVID-19 is having on, on the country and, the, and therefore the, the, the football side of it. You know, the, the fact that we've talked already about this um, bid for an Argentinian striker, rumoured to be around half a million quid, that doesn't say to me that there's going to be a seismic shift in, in ownership. Um, I think if, if, you know, if Stuart Donald, etc. were selling to a completely different party, there would be no expenditure going out now because why would there be? Why, it doesn't make sense. So to my mind, that's, that signifies either that um, shift in, in percentage ownership with Sartori taking a, a bigger stake or potentially one of the, the American chaps coming in and, and taking over. Um, I, I suspect if, if there is a, a change in ownership by the end of September, it will be a, a, a manoeuvre of people around, um, potentially with Donald um, exiting the, the club or, or not, or retaining some sort of stake. Um, but I think it'll, it'll be more in, in line with that than a completely new regime. Okay. Niall, you haven't said anything for a while. Do you want to chime in there? Or do you think we've covered off everything that needs to be covered off uh, for the, the, the takeover update? No, I think, I think yeah, I think you've totally covered it. I think it's going to be one or two things. I think it's either going to be exactly what Martin said, which is probably the more likely, you know, where it's 
a, a shift um, or it's going to be <clears throat> someone completely unknown that has never been linked never been mentioned and just comes out of nowhere and like a bit like what Stuart Donald did um, and, and then takes over the club. I think it's going to be one of those two things. Obviously, we all know it's not going to be, you know, Billy Story um, or, or anything like that. So it's, I think anybody who comes out, not just Story, everyone who comes out on social media, whatever, and, and claims that they're going to buy the club or they've had a bid, I think they're, they're not serious bidders. I think serious people don't talk. Um, so yeah so I think it's either going to be what Martin said which is more likely or it's going to be someone completely unknown That, but that's just my take on it oh. tell you what though M- Mickey Gray has gone very quiet about the whole thing agreed That that's that's true yeah that that is true I, but then again the NDA was which I don't know whether it's worrying before, or not <laughs> but wasn't yeah. uh, do you want a Mickey Gray the, consortium I don't know Maybe he could oh, be one of William Story's backers. Who knows? Um, right, I, think, I think that's a good point to stop off today, though. So uh, thanks for joining us today, Niall, John and Martin. I'm sure you've got wonderful plans for the rest of your Sunday. Hopefully next Sunday we'll have plenty of positives to talk about, including our first league victory of the season against Bristol Rovers. So have a good week and remember to subscribe to us on your favourite podcasting app. Please gamble responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Sean doesn't actually put that in there. But, you know, so. Well, Connor, if you don't stop the recording now, he's going to put all this he's in. He's going to put it in there. Guaranteed. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.